Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. The Masters is here again, and this week we chat to Wayne Riley, discuss all things Augusta, and predict who will be slipping on the green jacket this year. Hi guys, Justin Rose here and welcome to the Golf Monthly Clubhouse Podcast. The Clubhouse is brought to you by Titleist, the number one ball in golf, and the chosen golf ball of previous Masters champions Adam Scott, Jordan Spieth, Bubba Watson and Zach Johnson, who all trusted the Pro V1 and Pro V1X golf balls for their victories at Augusta National. For more information, head to titleist.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name is Tom Clark and this week we're all very excited because it's the Masters. So we have two people to help me out. I've got Elliot Heath. How are you doing, Elliot? Hey, Tom. Yeah, good, thanks. You all right? Yeah, all good. And I've also got Nick Bonfield. Hello, Nick. Hello, Klaza. Nice How's to see going? you. I'll hear you again. I'm good, thank you. How are you? Did you enjoy your good, uh, good bank holiday weekend? Yes, I had a very, very busy weekend. It was my wife's <laughs> birthday, quite a big birthday. Um, and we were able to celebrate in some style, um, not the big party or holiday away that we wanted, but um, I think she had a good good weekend, and there was, some of the weather was glorious, wasn't it? It was absolutely gorgeous, um, although actually it then started snowing yesterday, so that was a bit odd. Yeah, but, when, um, I was, when I was on the golf course. Yeah, <laughs> that was great. So, so Nick, you were on the golf course? Yeah, Explain, explain more. I went to played Hersham Golf Club on Monday, having played last Monday and enjoyed it. Um, the conditions were just horrific early on, though. I mean, I left my flat. It was snowing. Got to the golf club. It was snowing. On the first hole, it was snowing and the wind was just blowing into my face. It was awful. It was horrific. But then on about the fourth hole, the sun started coming out and we finished in glorious sunshine. And I actually only had my T-shirt on at the end. It was totally baffling. But yeah, it was really great to be out. It's it's the it's the joys of golf, isn't it? We're, it's back. We've been moaning about not having any golf. And suddenly we can play golf. <laughs> Sunday's snowing in April. And like, oh god, I was, wish I was back at home. But actually, it's all good, isn't it? Elliot, I know you had a bumper weekend of golf. So come on, explain how you got on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I played on Friday. Played eighteen holes on a par three course with my girlfriend on Saturday. Uh, which was awesome, and then also played yesterday in the snow as well. As an avid Long John's wearer, I think yesterday was actually Long John's weather. It was that cold, but I didn't have any on, so it's pretty chilly in that in that snow. But uh, yeah, it's just so good to be back out there. Uh, have a few beers on the course as well, which obviously we don't condone. Um, and yeah, I start to play a little bit better towards the end. So um, yeah, awesome. I did I think twenty five thousand steps on Friday, and, and about. 20,000 yesterday as well so it's just yeah really good for my physical health after three months of just sitting in my flat good stuff so uh it sounds Elliot that you were more interested in drinking on the course than actually uh getting the ball in the hole uh so did you have any decent holes any decent performances uh yeah I was one over after nine yesterday then cracked open a beer and proceeded to play the back nine in about seven over par but uh yeah definitely signs that it's coming back which uh, i would have to attribute to going to the driving range basically twice a week for the last sort of 12 months but yeah booze and golf doesn't really mix i would say if, if you want to shoot a score 
No, but it's good fun though, isn't it? Um, so great stuff. So it all sounds very exciting. I still haven't played any golf. I haven't had the chance. So um, I'm quite looking forward to going to the range at some point in the next couple of weeks or so. So, um, but it's been some brilliant golf that we've had leading up to this week, which is obviously the first uh, men's major of the year. We're all very excited about the Masters, although it does feel weird because it was only five months ago that we had the Masters as well. But there's been some great golf, of course, happening on the PGA Tour and the European Tour. And one man we'll certainly be discussing this week is Jordan Spieth, after American won his first title in more than three and a half years at the Valero Texas Open. Spieth held off Charlie Hoffman to win his 12th PGA Tour title. Um, And it was quite a performance by him, wasn't it, Elliot? Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. He's um, been on sort of a, a meteoric rise this year, and I actually picked him last week on the Golf Monthly website. So hopefully, you guys listening uh, got on those tips. So um, really good to see him back. And like we know, he's a, a fantastic golfer with a an amazing golf brain. But sort of his his long game is what what lets him down, and and it's not really letting him down at the moment. And when he is hitting fairways and and hitting greens, he's he's sort of unbeatable really because his chipping and putting his course management his mental strength is sort of always going to be there but yeah we've seen in the last few years be so wayward off the tee and and that's just not the case this year so far he's hitting fairway after fairway and uh yeah that should hold him in good stead this week i think and nick i mean it's been a long time since his last victory uh, it was of course the open victory at burtdale uh, but golf's surely a better a better sport to watch and enjoy when all the best players are playing well. And Spieth's obviously definitely one of those players, isn't it? Oh, without question. I just want to talk about course management there because <laughs> flicked on yesterday to see him having this very bizarre conversation on the 18th fairway about whether he should hit an eight iron or a three wood. And <laughs> after about five minutes, what seemed like five minutes, he turned around and said, what am I th- What am I doing here? It's clearly an eight iron all day long. I just found that really entertaining. Um, but that's symptomatic of him. He's an entertaining guy. He wears his heart on his sleeve. You know, you know what he's thinking and feeling at all times. He's emotional. He's brilliant. He can get on a roll. He can reel off loads and loads of birdies. He's one of the best putters we've ever seen. Um, so many attributes, so popular, and he totally enriches golf if he's back playing well. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's right, isn't it? He also, uh, I mean, he actually hit an eight iron like I used to hit an eight iron, which was a it looked like he completely snapped hooked it from the TV coverage, but actually he was playing down, down this weird split fairway that they have on the 18th. Um, so it looked like he was going to hit it, hit it into rubbish, but in the end he was fine. So, um, but he's he's now he's turned his his uh, his fortunes round. He was very close to slipping outside the world's top 100 um, just a couple of months ago. He was 92nd in the world after he missed the cut at the Farmers Insurance Open. But he's now back inside the world's top 50. He's 38th in the world. And he said yesterday in his press conference at Augusta, Elliot, that one of the things that really drove him on, that he missed a WGC event this year. And he, that really burned him. And he really, that really pushed him to, to, uh, to play a bit better and, and to, to rediscover his form and get back into the world's top 50. Yeah, that was a brilliant quote, wasn't it? Because he's just been a cerebral winner, basically, from the age of 21 for the last, uh, what, five or six years. And, and I think he was saying this was like the only tournament that he couldn't actually go and play in if he wanted to. So before, if he'd be injured or if he was taking a week off, then he would miss events, obviously. But this was the first 
big time tournament that he actually wasn't allowed to play in. So um, yeah, if you actually think about it, that must have really motivated him. Yeah, and and, and you can see from his his world ranking and sorry from his performances. If you look at I'm looking at the world ranking site at the moment, but since that miscut at the Farmers, he's played in seven events and he's had five top tens including a victory so it really shows that he's a very driven person isn't he nick oh absolutely i mean you don't get to you don't achieve the things that he's achieved in the game at such a young age without marrying natural talent with with this uh kind of ambition and drive um i i just i think it's too premature for me to consider him one of the favorites for augusta i i think he was a little bit shaky on that 18th and it didn't really fill me with loads of confidence but it's brilliant to see him now back where he is because once you fall outside the top 50 in the world, it's kind of, it's very difficult to then get into the events that have the world ranking points, have the big field. So he kind of, it's easier to slip down. So now he's back in playing these big events. It's kind of quite easy for him to slide his way back up the rankings again. And I think we'll see him back inside the top 10 before too long. I just don't see him winning this week. And I'm sorry if I've been premature there and got ahead of myself, but it linked into what we were saying it's a fair point is he going to be able to go back to back and win two weeks in a row it takes a lot of lot of pressure you need a bit of luck as well doesn't you and Spieth has always been one of those people that we've seen he does seem to get a bit of luck when he wins the majors but he has got a fantastic record at Augusta let's not forget that he's won it once he should have won it twice he could have he could have won it on several occasions really when he hasn't so um it's going to be interesting and we'll, and we'll cover off who we think are the favourites to win uh, and talk about a, a little bit later on. Before we move on to our complete Masters coverage, quickly got to mention that there was two other um, really great events at, at the weekend that took place, both women's events. Um, there was the first women's major of the year, the ANA Inspiration. And Thailand's Patty Tavana Tanakit won her maiden major title in California. The 21-year-old won by two strokes from Lydia Ko, who shot a stunning 62 in the final round to push all the way. But then there also was our chance to first see Augusta this year with the Augusta National Women's Amateur, and where Japan's Subasa Kajitani won the event. The 17-year-old defeated Italy's Emilia Migliaccio in a playoff. And it was great to see Augusta looking so resplendent the week before the Masters, wasn't it, Elliot? Yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, really good event. I can't believe she's only 17 years old. Like, what an, an amazing talent. You think two years ago, Kupcho and Fassi went at it, and, and they're both very good professionals now. So I'm sure uh, Japan has another star on their hands right there. Yeah, just like two years ago, really, I thought the course looked fantastic. I think it's great seeing the women play it. It's a, a brilliant sort of warmer for, for what's about to come up. And um yeah, turning into just a huge event, isn't it? I mean, Sky Sports here in the UK showed quite a lot of the coverage on the final day, um, as well as the ANA Inspiration, which I thought was fantastic as well. I really love that event. So, yeah, just a, a fantastic weekend to, to really build us up for the first men's major of the year. And it was the thing which I really liked about the ANA Inspiration was I was watching a fair amount of the Texas Open, but because of the different time zones, the Texas Open was would finish and then we got a good few hours of the women's golf afterwards didn't we and that i thought that was really great and i know we spoke about last week about potentially tournaments being played on different times or instead of playing being thursday to sunday maybe being 
Tuesday to Friday or something like that, so they get a bit more coverage. And I do wonder if this is a, was another example of that actually really working. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, and like we had the, the Augusta National Women's Amateur finish on Saturday, so we didn't have to clash with that on Sunday as well. And uh, yeah, like for me, I, I watch watch the Texas Open downstairs and then go and watch the ANA Inspiration upstairs in bed to basically fall asleep to every night. Yeah, it, it was really good. And um, yeah, golf needs to stop clashing. And, and this is actually a very good example of it. That's a, a good point. Yeah. You, you look at the NFL, Tom, I know we're big fans of the NFL. They do that, don't they? Every Sunday you have matches starting at the most random times. You have a 105 kickoff, you have a 425 kickoff. And it seems bizarre, but it's not bizarre. It's totally planned to make sure there's no overlap or the overlap is as minimal as possible. And absolutely, golf should be learning lessons from, from sports like that. Yeah, I think that's that's right. I mean, obviously the NFL all all organise their game, so it's, it's a bit easier for them to do. But I think sometimes the the governing bodies have got to just think a bit cleverer. Uh, and you know, if you've got three events all being played Thursday to Sunday, you know something's going to give. Something, you're not going to be able to see every single shot. If you're a golf fan, you, you're actually probably only going to watch one of those events. I think golf just needs to be a bit cleverer about how, how they act. Um, and I think uh, it's shown at the at, you know over the last couple of weeks that actually they can do things slightly differently and it does work. So looking forward to the week ahead, Ben. But but before we talk about the Masters, we need to talk about our sponsors, Titleist, and the momentum the brand is taking into Augusta this week. Last week at the Valero Texas Open, Titleist brand ambassador Jordan Spieth trusted 14 Titleist clubs, including the new TSI 3 driver and the Pro V1X golf ball, as he returned to the winner's circle on the PGA Tour. In fact, TSI drivers have won the last three events on the PGA Tour, and TSI 3 continues to be the most played driver model on the PGA Tour this season. Now, the brand is aiming to replicate the success they had at the Masters back in November, when Titleist won the driver count at Augusta for the first time in 20 years, along with all major equipment categories T to green including golf balls, fairways, hybrids, utility irons, irons, and wedges. To find out more about the number one golf ball and driver on the PJ Tour, head to titleist.co.uk. So, Augusta National hosts its second Masters tournament in six months after the late 2020 November Masters. Dustin Johnson seeks to defend the green jacket he won in record-breaking fashion last time out, where he finished at, oh, I can't believe this, 20 under par. So, We've already seen a little bit, as we mentioned just now, uh, of the course. And early press conferences seem to suggest that Augusta is going to play a lot harder this time round, with it being a bit firmer and faster. That should make it a, a big different prospect, shouldn't it, Nick, to what we saw in November? Yeah, absolutely. I think 20 under par is an incredibly low score for a major championship winning score. And the folks who run Augusta would probably look at that and think, yeah, we need to bring that down. Obviously, it was easier, it was softer um, last time around. The course was more receptive, but I think we're going to be seeing what we're used to this time around with greens running exceptionally fast on the stint meter, balls running out a little bit more, although not too much because obviously they mow the fairways back towards the tees at Augusta. But I personally think the winning score at a Masters should be somewhere around the 12 under par mark, and hopefully it will be more aligned to that this time around. Yeah, I think early days, um, who was, I think it was Patrick Cantlay's um, press conference yesterday. I think he was saying, it, look, he thought that it was probably going to be likely eight, nine under, something like that, uh, might win it, which I think, I think the guys who run it 
are happier with that being the winning score. They don't want it to be around too close to par. I don't. They definitely don't want it to be over par. We had a couple of masters like that, which is quite boring. No one could, no one could score. But I don't think they want what DJ did last year. But DJ, DJ was playing in incredibly soft conditions for Augusta. I don't know if you can remember, Elliot. Can you remember the uh, the flooding that happened on that first Thursday um, in November? Oh God, yeah, yeah. The twelfth hole was just underwater, wasn't it? So it was. Um, it was. Yeah, I think they played about three shots. We've been waiting for 18 months for a tournament and then they had a massive rain delay and a huge storm. But that's golf, isn't it? You know, it's it's an incredible place to be, Augusta. And Nick, you, along with myself, have been to Augusta to cover the event. Elliot hasn't had the opportunity yet, but you'll get your chance, I'm sure, Elliot. Um, it's an amazing place to be, isn't it? Give a give a bit of an impression of uh, of what you can remember when you were when you were there. It just has this magical aura. It's absolutely pristine. Um, the grass, you walk on the grass and it feels like no grass you've ever walked on before. You look around you and not a blade of grass is out of place. There's not a leaf on the ground. The sun's often shining, the flowers are blooming. It's very, it's, it's an assault on the senses really. That's even before you walk the golf course and, and realize that you're walking one of the kind of the greatest golf courses ever. And it is much more undulating than you think as well is is kind of the predominant thing that i noticed think of the first hole on tv it looks marginally uphill if you stand on the first tee in person it is steeply uphill the same same for the 18th as well and and the 10th going downhill too is is massively more undulating than i mean i know it looks undulating on the tv but it's like a ski slope down there and it's very difficult to also convey how the hump how quick and, and numerous the humps and hollows around the greens are and how much undulation there is on those putting surfaces. I mean, you think of you think of the 11th when you're standing by the side of the 11th green, as I'm sure you were, thinking, how can you possibly stop the ball if you're chipping from the right of the green, stuff like that. I know it looks difficult on TV, but it's just magnified when you're there in person, as I'm sure you'd agree. I, could, I, can, I can very much agree. Being lucky enough to have played the course, I'm sure I haven't mentioned this ever before. I was in the bunker on the 11th at the back and I chipped it very much into the water, even though I actually hit the green. Uh, but I did lots of that when I played. And um, no, it's uh, it's different. It's just diff it's an incredible place to be. The sun does seem to shine a bit brighter there. The grass does seem to be a bit greener. It might actually be a bit greener. It's a great place. And um, although we, we can't be there, um, it's great that there's going to be fans there. Uh, the patrons are back. You, that must That's going to make a big difference this year, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think there's going to be about 12,000 a day or something like that. So, um, yeah, it should look pretty busy, especially on the final day. Because I, I remember last year, it looked like there were fans there already because, I don't know, I guess all the players had their managers and their, their families out there. And there was, I don't know how many, but it looked like there was hundreds of people following the final group. So, uh, yeah, I think it should be pretty busy this week. And um, I don't know, will we hear some roars? Probably. I mean, if, if somebody makes a hole in one and there's like 50 people there, you, you will hear them all screaming, won't you? So, you know, I that's what Augusta's synonymous with, isn't it? The, the roars through the trees and, and on the Sunday back nine. So, yeah, hopefully <laughs> we can hear some of those. I'm, I'm sure we will. And um, that's something to really look forward to, isn't it? I, I can't wait. Um, but let's hear from a professional's point of view now. So we recently spoke to Yusel Alton about his first impressions of Augusta when he made his 2014 debut. I wanted to go there to get that first impression out of the way because a lot of the, the boys I talked to, they said, just get there, just 
uh, a couple of weeks before to get that first impression and that wow factor to get that out of out of your system. So I went there about five weeks before. Um, I can remember I flew there. Uh, I drove to Washington Road and I, I knew the golf course were, was supposed to be there somewhere. And I drove over that, that road for four or five times. Couldn't find the entrance. Just drove past it about five times. There's just one little sign this big Augusta National. But I was expecting this big American entrance, you know, yeah. like all these golf courses have with big <laughs> signs. And, and it, it was just weird. So oh, finally I found this, this entrance and I turned into it. And then there's a little um, security guy in a little little box basically and and he gives you an envelope with with all the rules that that are you know that that they have at augusta and and all the traditions that they have so you make sure that when when you come there for the first time and obviously i'm not a member there that you follow the rules and um you know then you 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 drive in and you drive over magnolia lane and and it's just very special to experience for the first time you know and you only know this from tv you know, as a young kid, it was pretty much the only tournament that my parents would let me watch in the middle of the night, you know, when, when I was young. So it, it was just very special to go there. And, and I, I took a local caddy with me that day because I feel like, like they know a little bit more inside information. And if I could, everything that I would hear or learn from him, I could tell my own caddy, you know. So it, it was pretty cool to have uh, to have a guy that, that knows actually and and. You know, it's it's just little things sometimes that could make the difference. And um, you know, I was playing the golf course, and obviously, no phones are allowed on uh, on Augusta National in the clubhouse or on the golf course. So, all of a sudden, I was playing the seventh hole, and this guy from the pro shop comes to to me with a with a buggy, and he said, "Oh, uh, you need to come with me so I can take you off the premises, and you can look at your phone because your management is trying to to reach you." <laughs> And this was something to do with flights or whatever. I needed to book a flight to get out of there. So he said, just take your phone. So I drive you off the off the property so you could have a phone call or whatever. So, okay. So we drove off like 10 minutes all the way off the, off the golf course, turned on my phone. And all I had to do was, was say yes. I said, yeah, <laughs> and done. And then he brought me back again, you know. And anywhere else you would say, yeah, don't be ridiculous. I'll just look at my phone here. But when you're a guest at, at Augusta National, you just don't say, oh, I'll, I'll have a look here because <laughs> you feel like they could they could throw you off the golf course. So, you know, it, it's little things like that, that that make Augusta special. And it's great that they have those traditions. And it was good for me to get that first experience and that first impression out of the way. So there you go. That was Youth Loughton. Unfortunately, won't be in the field this week. But quite a funny story there he had about uh, being uh, asked to come off the course to answer a phone call, wasn't it, Elliot? <laughs> yeah, yeah, incredible. Because you do hear like you're not allowed phones there. And as somebody that's never been, I always think, well, surely you're allowed it in your pocket and maybe you can just do a little sly text message if you need to or something. But uh, as you guys would know, it does sound like <laughs> they're very, very strict there without phones. And I, I don't know, maybe... It, 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 it like heightens the experience because you feel like you're sort of away from the outside world and you're in this like magical kingdom, like detached. So, um, yeah, Augusta loves its traditions and, and its rules. And, and I guess that adds to like the mystique of the place. Um, I think the, f- the phone thing is a, a really important thing. Uh, Nick, you'll, you'll remember when Tiger won uh, back in 2019 
uh, his his latest victory, that when he won those those scenes, those pictures that were, went around the world of him celebrating on the green with all the fans trying to get close and trying to get a high five from him. Not a mobile phone in sight. No pictures been taken. And actually, that made the pictures of the event look that much greater, didn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I, I do think we're at a point now where players themselves are getting really irritated because the default position of the gallery is to just bring out a phone whenever someone's nearby and record it. And maybe that goes on Instagram or maybe it just stays in their phone for posterity. But people just don't seem to actually use their eyes. to. They seem to be prefer to look at things through a screen as opposed to using their eyes. And it must be quite frustrating for the players here in the gallery, Russell, their pockets to get their phones out. And, and it just to strip it back. And it's very much in keeping with the place. It's, it's traditional. You know, there are no modern fads. It's just all about the course and the players. And the pictures, are, as you say, are all the better for it. I mean, so often now when I'm looking in the magazine for pictures of winners, uh, you've got every single person in the background with their phone out. And to not see that August is very refreshing and, and something welcomed by the players. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And Augusta, I think that's one of the things, if you haven't been there, you think, oh, it's, it could be quite a stuffy place, but actually it is quite a, a refreshing place. Actually, they do things in their own way. They do things in the right way as well. You can get a beer for a dollar, can't you? Two dollars. You can get a sandwich for a dollar fifty. You know they, they haven't put the prices up in in decades um, to try and keep you know keep the enjoyment of, of everyone that goes there. So uh, yeah, no, it's really good. And I, one one last thing is that when I went when I went, you're talking about rules and things which are there. Everyone has to have a, a lanyard round their neck with with their ticket on or their pass on. And uh, I went to see uh, the honorary starters team off, and it was really cold it's really freezing i did my jacket up which and accidentally put you know hid my my pass as it were because it was inside my jacket and within about 10 seconds a security guard said oh can i just check your pass because i hadn't I hadn't got it outside and you had to have it outside <laughs> it was it was ridiculous it was because there's not that it doesn't feel like there's that many people like you know that that much security there but they just make sure that everyone's doing the right thing you've got to do things the right way um otherwise you're gonna get in trouble so i apologize and showed me showed him my path <laughs> and made sure it was on the outside of my jacket for the rest of the rest of the time but um uh it's it shows um you know august is a different uh, it's just an incredible place but if you ever get the chance to go do uh absolutely take it up so let's talk about this year. Let's talk about 2021. We've got an, an April Masters for the first time in two years. So what are the big stories and who are the favourites? So firstly, let's start with world number one, Dustin Johnson. Elliot, do you think that he will be able to go back to back this year? Uh, he, yeah, he's definitely capable. But if you go back in the record books, there's not many people that have won back to back Masters. So that... <laughs> is literally the only reason why I would just completely discard him. Um, I think the last time was 2002 when Tiger Woods won, and he was also world number one then. And world number ones don't really tend to win at Augusta, apart from last year. So we could have the world number one going back to back for the first time since 2002, which, I don't know, maybe it's an omen. And that does play in his favour. He's obviously a, a fantastic golfer. He, he played fantastic there last year. Um, yeah, you can't really back against him other than the record book and uh, just how difficult it is to go back to back. Uh, maybe that's because of the champion's dinner and stuff and he's going to have his champion's dinner this week for the, for the first time. And I, I remember kind of Danny Willett really struggled with being a defended champion at the Masters because of all the other things you have to do. And maybe that'll affect DJ or 
or maybe he, he's just too mentally strong to, to really get distracted and, and he'll, he'll play his best again. Who knows? I'm glad you've mentioned the champion's dinner there because I don't know if you saw, but one of the things that he has on his menu as an order is pigs in blankets. Something that we obviously have at Christmas. And I thought that was an inspired choice. Um, <laughs> assuming that's the same pigs and blankets that we have over in the UK. But uh, I'm very interested with that. So, uh, Nick, other than pigs and blankets, which I'm sure you'll have your own opinion on, um, DJ's nine to one to win this year, about that nine, eight to nine. Will you be putting any money on him to win again? I won't be putting money on him to win, but that doesn't mean I don't think he's not going to win. I, I, I hear what Elliot's saying, absolutely. And I know that the statistics and record books, they mean something. Of course they do. But I just think he's the best player in the world, statistically. And also, if everyone in the world has their best games, I still think DJ wins. There's a course that's made for him. And he's got incredibly fresh memories of slipping on a green jacket. So I think that kind of those three reasons... I think he obviously he's the man to beat, and and I think, I think probably if you're if you're forcing me, I think he will win. I do think he'll win. Yeah, but I won't be putting money on him at nine to one. You you seem to have just done a complete three sixty there in, in, the, in the same sentence, but fair enough. Okay, Nick. So you think that no, sorry, just, be... just because I'm not I, the reason I won't put money on him is that I tend to look for more value bets, and I, I don't. I would never bet on anyone at nine to one in professional golf with so many good players. But I do think he will win. Fine. So what you're saying is, even though you think you're going to win, you're going to try and back someone who's not going to win. Uh, if you want to look at it that way, yes. And I suppose you'd be well within your rights to look at it that way, given what I've just said. But I, I, I tend to hunt more for kind of outsider each way bets. No, just, I'm, I, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I understand. It is, it is a skinny price, you know, it, and it only takes a little bit of bad luck here and there or someone to have a, the best week of their life or something like that. Or you to have a bad week. Um, and then you're suddenly struggling, or for you to fall down the stairs the night before, <laughs> which of course he's already done as well. So, um, okay, so let's not talk about the world number one. Let's talk about the world number two, Justin Thomas. Uh, now he can actually become world number one if things go his way, and he won the players just a couple of weeks ago. Very, very talented player. Um, so Nick, Justin Thomas, what's your thoughts on him? I think he's terrible. What an imposter. <laughs> of course I don't he's, he's fabulous of course he could win he's got a great chance of winning he's come close before hasn't he but he's just fallen away at the wrong time and he'll be desperate to avenge those memories and and you know get get a second major championship and obviously there's no one more confident than he is right now in the game but there are so many variables these days it's very hard to say with certainty that something's going to happen as you say he might something might happen off the course he might shoot a good round but someone shoots around of their life he might struggle with the fans because he did say that there was a lot of additional pressure at the players with fans i don't know how the players are going to respond to all these variables what i do know is that he's the second best player in the world for a reason he's a fabulous talent and no one would be shocked in the slightest if he were to don the green jacket come sunday i've got some stats for you here nick because i know you love stats and this i think is a pretty decent one so justin thomas has played in five masters tournaments his first one was in 2016 these are where he's finished, okay? Listen up. 39th, 22nd, 17th, 12th, 4th. He's 4th in the uh, Masters in November. So in each year, in each event, he's got his, his results have been better and better and better, which is quite a rare thing to do, I think. So can he go one better? Can he improve on that 4th place that he got in November, Elliot? Yeah, I, I actually can't really remember him 
coming for, to be honest, uh, even though it's only five months ago. But uh, I would say no, because he's probably had his one major victory of the year already, I would say, in the Players' Championship, which we know is not an official major, but it basically is. Uh, so, so to go and win the Players and then win the Masters, I don't really see that happening. Um, I know he's world number two. I know he's been world number one before, but I don't know. I always feel like there's just something missing with Justin Thomas. He, I don't know if he's 54 hole leader. Will he just give it away a little bit on the on the final round or or um, yeah? He just doesn't really seem like the full package to me just yet. I don't know why that is because everything about his game looks great, but his results are sometimes a bit up and down. So um, yeah, I would steer clear of JT this week. That's that's fair enough. I think. He, you make, I think you're not the only person to think about that. I mean, he was he was leading after 36 holes in November. Uh, there was a bit of a uh, there's five players actually leading at that stage, and then DJ just went away from the field, where uh, Thomas I think finished 71-70 to drop back a bit. The last thing I'm going to say on Justin Thomas is that his best mate is Jordan Spieth, and he's seen his best mate win. Uh, last week. I wonder if that's going to inspire him uh, moving forward. So um, we'll have to wait and see on Justin Thomas's chances. I think quite harsh to call Justin Thomas not the complete package, I would say, given that he's broken a number of records, won the players, won a major, has been world number one. He's only about 27 years old. I I think Elliot's point, well, I certainly don't think he's not the complete package. I think he's a fantastic golfer. But I think Elliot's point was that he doesn't feel like he's the complete package, which may be is the reason why he's so good because one point there's not one thing that shines from his game there's all of it together um i think the i think his putting was something which had let him down in a few events uh, this year but then he was amazing in the players for example so i understand if you were to say what's justin thomas's best bit of his game you'd actually say it's his all-round game is the best bit whereas dj you probably say oh it's his it's driving and maybe he's now his way to play would, would, would that be fair, Elliot? Uh, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Like, he's such a great player. In terms of the record book, you would have to put him on par with like uh, Rory McIlroy at, at the stage of his career. But I think Tiger Woods has just made us believe that golfers are going to win the Players' Championship and then win a major a month later. And that just doesn't really happen these days, does it? We've got players they'll maybe win like three or four times a year, but. If this was Tiger Woods, he would go and win, wouldn't he, after winning such a big event last month? But yeah, Tiger has just set the standard too high, I think. And JT is probably on a high right now, and I don't think he'll get any higher at the moment. Fine. I th- I, again, Elliot, I'm not sure whether I think the history books actually say that it's usually the Masters winner is usually someone who's already won that season. But whatever. We'll wait and see. We'll wait and see if you're right or not uh, come Sunday. So I want to move on because we've got lots of other people to, to quickly mention. So, John Rahm, number three in the world. Also, he's had something to celebrate already this week, just had a baby. Um, and Danny Willett won in 2016 when he just become a new dad. So, Elliot, John Rahm, his chances? Yeah, definitely. John Rahm, best player in the world for me. I know I say it all the time. Um, yeah. He's, uh, he's going to be on a high right now. He's played so well this year. What has he had? Five top tens and seven starts. And you would probably say it's been a bit of a um, quiet year for him because he's he won twice last year. He won three times in 2019. He won three times in 18 and 17. And he in turn pro in 16. So, 
yeah, John Rahm is a generational talent and uh, definitely going to win majors, I, I would imagine. And uh, yeah, he's got to be feeling in a good place right now. Uh, unlike JT, he hasn't sort of reached his peak this year. So I think he's still trending. And um, yeah, I'd love to absolutely love to see Rahm win the green jacket. Nick, anything to mention on John Rahm? I think he's got unfinished business with Augusta. He would correct me if I'm wrong, but he was right in the mix last year and then really fell away unexpectedly. Um, and it's now been, what, two or three years since people have been saying, oh, he's destined to win a major. He's going to win a major. There's no question. You know, at some point, you actually need to, to prove people right and do it. And he's been a quality player inside the world's top five for a good couple of years now. And it is around about the time that he should be winning a major championship. I also take Elliot's point about it being very difficult with so many class players to kind of win more than one massive, massive event in a year. So I do understand the logic of kind of ruling JT out, but Ram is primed to contend this year, absolutely. Uh, and he was disappointing. Very, I had money on him last year and I was very disappointed to see him fall away as he did. And I just didn't see anything in his past that suggested that would happen. So he'll be aware of that too and he'll be looking to put that right. Ram was another one of those 36 hole leaders. So it was Ram, Thomas, Johnson, Answer and uh, Cameron Smith were, the, were all leading at the 36th hole. And we were very, very excited saying, oh, this is going to be the greatest Masters ever. It's going to be really, really tight. And then DJ just went absolutely berserk and everyone else seemed to fall away a bit. Yeah, but I think um, Rahm's definitely got unfinished business with, with the course. And someone else who definitely got unfinished business with everything at the moment, the person everyone's talking about is Bryson DeChambeau. So last year, he, you know, things had just started to change with him. Um, he started to hit the ball a mile. He described the course as a par 67 for him last year. And perhaps he heaped too much pressure on him because he didn't play particularly well, though he did make the cut. Nick, Bryson DeChambeau has been one of the top, the, one of the big stories of this year. He continues to entertain, but is he going to be able to put four rounds together around Augusta to win there? I think he's got a very good chance. I'd probably put him second favourite behind DJ. I think we've seen a lot recently that there's been an ad adaptation of his strategy. Obviously, everyone knows he can hit the long ball. He takes on shots like the sixth hole at Bay Hill. He talks about it. He takes them on. It's brilliant. I think he's an excellent kind of person for the game at the moment because he's so unique and so different. But he has reined in putting driver on every hole quite a lot recently. And I think he will employ that strategy at Augusta. Um, throw into the mix the fact that at times he's been the best putter in tournaments he's played. Um, Lee Westwood was very complimentary about how he controlled his ball flight and was able to move it different directions and keep it down into the wind and such at Bay Hill and the players. Uh, and for that, for those reasons, he's yeah, he's my second favourite. I just think DJ's very tough to beat. Let's also remember that Bryson won the US Open. That was just two major championships ago. Um, obviously, the one before the Masters in November. Um, so he has had success. He has got that major win off his back. He's also been the low amateur round at Augusta as well in 2016. But if you look at his results around there, 21st when he was low amateur, 38th, 29th, 34th. For whatever reason, he hasn't quite completely fired there. And I do wonder, Elliot, is he putting too much pressure on himself? Because I think in himself, he believes that he will win a green jacket. Uh, yeah, I, I watched last year. I remember he teed off early on the first round, I think, and had just a, a crazy start to his first round. 
stiffen it on 10 and then he nearly hit it out of bounds on 11 um and then he snap hooked it on 13 where we all thought he was going to drive it up by the green um but yeah bryson loves he doesn't love failure but he embraces failure i think and um yeah he, he's learned a lot over his career i think he should be the favorite this week if you had a gun to my head i would tell you dechambeau would win i think yeah his stats are phenomenal he's first in off the tee tee to green strokes game total and first in scoring average as well i just yeah i think he's a fantastic player i think he's going to be world number one soon and um yeah definitely has unfinished business at augusta he was like 36 hole leader or something in 2016 as an amateur and uh yeah he's got the place sussed out i think i don't know why his results haven't been good but last year he was complaining of dizziness i remember he had a covid19 test um and yeah he just didn't play very well did he but this year could be very different i think yeah brock bison he is without doubt in my opinion the most entertaining person playing golf at the moment if he's i'm sure will be one of the featured groups or will be will be in one of those groups i will be watching that very closely because he you have no idea what he's going to do next it's it's so exciting it's so entertaining it's what professional sports should be he's trying to push the boundaries as far as he can he's trying to do things his own way and he's getting a load of success he won the arnold palmer invitational what almost a month ago now He's had a third. He was third at the players. Let's not forget that he was played really well at the players as well. So, I think you're right, Elliot. He's he's playing very very well. Those stats are just incredible, aren't they? I can't remember anyone dominating those stats as much as that. And he's fifth in the world now, and that's there's a reason for that. Um, so, and sorry to interject. He he can he can putt. You know, on yeah. his day, he can putt brilliantly. Without doubt, he really can. He got lucky last year as well, didn't he? Like losing that ball on the third hole. Like no one's ever lost a ball there before. Um, and actually, credit to him for rallying to make a load of birdies on the back nine in the second round to make the cut. Um, and yeah, Bryson's the kind of guy who doesn't need too long to figure out a place. And he's now had enough rounds there where he's going to know exactly what he needs to do to, to threaten the lead. And I fully expect to see him up there. Absolutely. So moving on quickly, let's. We've already spoken about him already, but Jordan Spieth. So let's look at Jordan Spieth stats for the for augusta they are ridiculous so first started playing in 2014 he's had a second first second 11th third 21st 46th and those 21st 46th when he wasn't playing very well they're incredible stats aren't they elliot yeah i kind of see no reason why he can't win this week coming off of last week he's uh yeah he's got the bug back he's got his driving back he's got his long game back. I actually couldn't believe how far he was hitting it last week. He was pretty much consistently carrying it over 300 yards with the driver. And we've maybe some people think he's a short hitter, but he certainly isn't. And that's another reason why he's probably had good success at Augusta. Yeah, I'd love Spieth. And I really see no reason why he can't go on and sort of contend for a top five or a win this week. Yeah, and and the, and the odds also seem to be uh, favouring him as well. He's he's second favourite alongside Bryson at eleven to one. So he's got great course form around there. We know he knows how to play it around there, and he's obviously in great form as well. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll we'll keep an eye on him. But let's talk about someone who hasn't got good form at the moment. 
Someone who could complete the career Grand Slam if he wins at Augusta this week. And that's Rory McIlroy, who is a very long odds for the start of, a, of Augusta week. At 18 to 1. Usually he's almost single figures. Nick, is Rory going to turn the apple cart round? Is he going to turn his form round? Is he going to pull on a green jacket on Sunday? Not for me. But I would caveat that with I would never be surprised with anything that Rory did. I mean, even last year he wasn't in great form, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was playing some really. He found he found something, didn't he? I think possibly in the third round, and he got pretty close to a challenge at one stage before falling away. I just think there are too many other players in better form. I think he's in a transitional period, but who knows? Maybe that maybe the the crowds will spark him into life. Maybe. Pete Cowan's already imparted his wisdom and given him the confidence boost that he needed. But I think it's just a bit, it's a bit early for him, I think, personally, given the, the strength and depth around him. Come on, Elliot, what do you think? Yeah, I completely agree with Nide. For the last sort of year, at least, I would say, every time he he has a good round, he'll then completely backtrack. Uh, as soon as he hits the top, he seems to go backwards. We saw it in Abu Dhabi where he, he shot an eight under par on the Thursday and then the very next day he was complaining how his swing's not very good and it's just really odd. Happened somewhere else as well, didn't it, where he, he was leading up to the first round. Yeah, we know he's got the game, but just something's not right in his head or, or maybe it is his swing, I don't know. But I would be very shocked and I would be absolutely over the moon if he won this week, but um, I, I just can't see it happening. Yeah, he's he's got a very good record at Augusta without having won, of course. So in his last seven starts, I'm really getting the stats out today, Nick. You must be loving this. <laughs> in his last his last seven starts at Augusta, he has been in the top 10 at the end of the tournament on six occasions. And last year, I think, really summed up his play around there. He shot 75 in the first round and was was out with the washing, wasn't he? Uh, he was really, really struggling. And then he finished fifth by the end of it because he, he played very, very well over the week. I think he played as well as anybody, I think. Um, uh, I don't know if DJ actually outscored him or not. So Rory finished 66, 67, 69 in his final three rounds, which, you know, he he he, he was very, very impressive. DJ did actually out and score him. But um, let's hope that Rory finds some good some good form. Um, so there's other names which we could all obviously chat about, but let's let's talk about predictions. And before we go on to our predictions, uh, Nick, you recently chatted to Sky Sports's Wayne Radar Riley about who he thinks he's going to do well this week. So here's Radar giving his predictions. Thank you very much for joining me, Radar, to discuss the upcoming Masters. I hope you're well. Yeah, very, very well. Um, we can all get back and play golf now. It's all good and uh, weather's starting to shine, so there's light at the end of the tunnel, but a pleasure to be here. Absolutely, there certainly is. And still, the, I would say, for me, the most exciting golf tournament of the year, even though we've just had one in November. Would you agree with that? Yeah, well, I, I kind of like the idea. Well, the way it was in November, you know, it was closed down the British uh, golf um, golf season. But this year, it's where it is back in a traditional spot, and uh, it opens up the, um, the, the the golf season. Really, we've just come out of um, golfing lockdown, if you like. We're still in lockdown, sort of. So uh, over here in the UK, so it's very much uh, it's time to play golf. And the Masters, uh, you know, whets the appetite for everyone. And this year, I'm sure it won't disappoint. Absolutely. So, would you prefer it in its April date? I know the November Masters was good fun. Your, your compatriot Cameron Smith 
made a run for the title. DJ played some excellent golf, but April's home. It feels right. It's the best stop for the tournament, isn't it? Yeah, as I just said, you know, it does open the season up for everyone. The Masters is the Masters. It's the first major of the year. They have the best spot for me. They really do have the best spot in, in, in the major season, along with the Open. Look, the two that I really look forward to are the Masters and the Open. Uh, the Open in July, it's right in the bang in the middle of the summer, burnt fairways, and you know. But the Masters, yeah, to open it all up, they have the best spot for me with the majors. And yeah, yeah as I said, you know, it's going to be uh, absolutely marvellous. And, and I don't think that, that the field has ever been stronger. Uh, exactly. Do you think it favours a different sort of player, given that it's now in April, not November, or do you think the conditions are going to be relatively similar to what we saw at the end of last year? I think with sub-air in the greens, like they've got up there at uh, Glen Eagles 2014, where they had the Ryder Cup, sub-air can can put moisture in, can drag it out, same as Wentworth, these great golf courses, the Masters, Augusta has that. Uh, I think it'll be very similar. They can can get the golf course exactly how to change too much. Lee Westwood was there a few weeks ago and he had a few rounds. He said the greens were rock hard, but I don't think we'll see that. Rock hard greens, gee whiz, I, I wouldn't like to see that. Then the greens would be absolutely ridiculously quick. So, no, I don't think it'll change whatsoever. They are, very, they are blessed. There's only a few that uh, they're really rich clubs, which is what Augusta is. It can do that with sub-air, so they, uh, they can make it exactly how they want it, and I'm sure they'll They'll stick to what we've seen in the past. Quick greens, green, um, you know, same pin placements. It's what we expect at the Masters. That's what we love, and that's what we'll get. And we still think high ball flight, good distance control with irons, and good putting stroke are the the keys to success there, or is there something else that I've missed there? No, I think think that, uh, okay, you look at Cam Smith, you know, he's not a high ball hitter, great putter great putters usually prevail you look at a guy like Cam Smith you look at a guy like Zach Johnson who has won the Masters there and you know some short hitters have won have won the Masters uh, you, you know you, it's not a, it doesn't suit any kind of game that's been proven you know Bubba's won a few times he's a bomber he's at both ways sure but if you keep it in play but it really is if you haven't got control of your ball on the greens pace wise and line wise with the slopiness of the greens and you are a great chipper getting up and down you know you're going to struggle you are going to struggle so you know I, I think it's going to be the same old customers to be perfectly honest and it might even be a similar leaderboard to what we saw in November because it wasn't long ago we only talked six months ago so they when they walk in those gates they'll feel as though six months whoa where did that go and where did that six months go so they'll go in there regenerate you know re-energized and, and they'll be ready to go once more but there's one player that I feel as though when you, when you ask me I know there's going to be a question there Nick who I think is going to win that might be a little bit different but I'm sure you got questions before that so let's go on to that in a little bit. I just wanted to discuss the potential return of crowds. Now, we know that they are planned at this stage. Things can obviously change very quickly with coronavirus. But what sort of impact will that have, especially on the back nine on Sunday, where we'll start hearing some roars echoing through the trees again? Yeah, well, that, that, that's everything at Augusta. You know, the shadows on the, on the little lakes, the ponds, all that, the, the crowds, the, the stillness of the whole. The ambiance of it, you know, it's, it, it's sensational. And to have the noise through the oaks and the pines, especially the pines there on that back nine, 
will be will be sensational. We've missed it. We're seeing it on television now on American Golf, and we'll see it in, in on the European tour with with crowds coming back. When I was back in the Middle East, you know, earlier in the season, January and February, you know, to see the crowds is absolutely sensational. It's all it's been. Like it's been like a ghost town. It's been like ghost golf going out there and just having the players, and not only for us listening to the roars and the oohs and the ahs, the players, you know, they will kick along now because you know you, 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 they can get you going. They can get you down if they don't like it, which doesn't happen very often. But they can, you know, that you can always, as a player, they can you can tell who they want to win. And the thing is that the Masters they are well behaved because they have to be. And uh, there, and um, you know, there's no throwing a cup on the ground round there. Let me tell you. So it's it's going to be fantastic to have them back. It's just going to be, you know, and golf. We're getting back to normal. You know, it's been a while, but uh, the first major of the year yeah, is going to be great to have some noises and um, some cheering and some, you know, hopefully not any mashed potato. We don't usually get that at the Masters, but uh, we're getting some nice stuff and some nice noises. Absolutely, and, and just a small quantity of fans can make a big difference. I was chatting to Eddie Pepperell about the Middle East earlier this year, and he was saying that at one stage, kind of 30 or 40 fans had gathered to watch him hit a tee shot, and he actually looked at them and thought, well, right, crikey, I need to actually kind of buck my game up here and actually hit a good shot. And it does make a difference, even in small quantities. And with the, you know what it's like, Augusta, a few roars can kind of spread long and wide, can't they? And they kind of funnel through the avenue of trees there, and it really does get into players' heads. So I'm looking forward to seeing that element, as you say. But in terms of the contenders, DJ was imperious last November. I think you told me in a column, maybe a month or two ago, that he was the favourite and the man to be in every single tournament. His form's tailed off slightly. Uh, do you still think he's the man to beat, and do you still see him putting the green jacket on again? Yeah, I tell you, we did speak of that, and I, 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 you know, then I watched him... Um, at um, in Saudi, and yeah, he won easily. Didn't putt very well, but no one did there. The greens were a bit uh, tricky, and but yeah, but you're right. He's gone off a little. He's gone off a little, uh, and you know, you kind of think where's his confidence at? But as he drives up um, up the into the gates of Augusta. Uh, you know, sees the magnolias and all that stuff. You know, it, 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 all bad play it hasn't been bad play, but it hasn't been great play. Will kind of disappear. Uh, I think he's going to be a contender, yes, but maybe not. I'm not feeling as confident as I did a couple of months ago with him. So um, I've got other favourites now. Okay, well, let's now we're talking about this. Let let's discuss those other favourites. What are you saying? Who are you thinking? Well, I think. Um, Bryson uh, going in there is, is the guy to beat this time around because the last time he went there, he took the golf course on and it didn't work. He was too aggressive. Uh, there's, there's holes that you can unleash on and I think he got found out because he won the US Open and then he went there uh, after winning the next major, winning his US Open and he went there and took it on like he did uh, at wing foot. And he came undone. I think we'll see him take uh, certain holes on. I think we'll see him take sharp dog legs. 
that you can hit three wood, I think we'll see a lot more of him pulling the three wood out. And I think we'll see a different Bryson round Augusta this time around, especially the way he's been playing, just won the Arnold Palmer Invitational, play, ran runner-up, he was third at uh, the players. He's going into this, to me, the favourite. I think he's learnt so much about last time's Masters, only six months ago, and he would have learnt so much what to do around Augusta. And I think this boy's going to be very hard to beat around there this time around. And he's a quick learner, isn't he? And we've seen that recently, the fact that he is laying back off some tees now. It's not all out power on every hole. And that coupled with the fact he's, he's got one round, oh, sorry, one, one event at the Masters under his belt with his new approach suggests to me, as you're saying, that he's going to be very, very tricky to beat, especially given his form at the moment. 100%. Yep. Yep, I think Bryson DeChambeau is my pick. But yeah, there's so many, you know, there's so many golfers in at this time round. Bully Olshaw's going in there with, with, with fine form. So many of them are going in there with fine form. And uh, it, it's going to be interesting to watch. But for me, Bryson. And what of your man Cam Smith, who has finished, what, top five at Augusta, I think two of the last three years? Yeah, he's ready to go. He's ready to go in there, but he's only a, a two-time winner on the PGA Tour, and one of those was a, a team's event. So he's only a one-time, really, individually, in the Sony a couple of years back. Yeah, he's a horses for courses. He's almost like uh, like a Jason Day was a few years back, where Day, Jason Day never stopped finishing in the top five at Augusta, never got over the line. Um, but around the area, that's around the era when um, Adam Scott won. So, yeah, there's so many. I mean, you know, Adam's starting to show a tiny little bit of form. They're all gearing up for this, and it's next week. I mean, they are so, there's so many, but there's always surprise packages in this and um, in the Masters. So we're just going to have to stay tuned and and, and look on. Uh, But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how uh, Bryson DeChambeau uh, tackles uh, Augusta this time around. It's going to be slightly different. You know, he took it on so fiercely that, uh, you know, even if he did go out there and fire a ridiculously low score, you couldn't keep it up with the aggression that he was showing. So, but as I'm saying, yeah, Cam, there are plenty of them who are, who are in fine, fine form. And, you know, even the guys are going in there with no form. It's a good week to find some. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. So let's talk about Rory McIlroy then. He's obviously just switched to Pete Cowan. We'll be working with Pete Cowan going forward. What do you think that says about where he is and what do you think Pete can do for him going forward? Because it does seem to me like he's at a sort of crossroads now, hasn't won a major championship for a number of years now and has struggled over the last 18 months or so. Uh, I, 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 look, changing coaches a couple of weeks before the Masters, working with Michael Bannon, uh, he's, he's long-time coach. I think it's a fantastic move, but something like that, uh, it doesn't matter what those guys do, the two coaches now, uh, shared um, coaching team, it's going to take time, and it's not really what Rory can do anything. You don't have to work too hard on Rory's swing. Sometimes he takes a little on the outside on the way back with the driver, drops it on the inside. That's about it, and that's easy. That's just alignment. He's aligned, but gets out and things like that. But whatever they work on, sure, I'm not worried 
about the coaches. They are the issue. It's a, ma- a matter of how fast the coaches can put confidence, instill confidence into Rory McIlroy. That's the whole thing. If we watch Rory McIlroy, he's playing with no confidence. That's why he goes out early these days and he's shooting not very good scores day one because he's going out there and he isn't playing with any confidence. He's not out there knowing he's going to go out there and shoot 68, 67, 66, even 69, you know, into the 60s first day. It's just not happening. He isn't getting off to a flyer. And that is going to be very important for them, for the two coaches, Michael Bennett and, um, you know. But the new, the, 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 but bringing these guys along, both of them, Pete Cowan, Pete Cowan's a, a stroke of genius, I think. He's the perfect guy to have with Michael Bennett and Rory McIlroy. The three of them sitting down, they can thrash it out. They've all been there and done it, but it's going to take time for Rory McIlroy. Will Rory McIlroy complete the Grand Slam of golf this time around? Not many have done it. Well, I doubt it. I doubt it. But if he does, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think anyone would be surprised. But... Do you see I it as sorry to interrupt? Do you see it as more of a, a mental issue at the minute with Rory than a physical thing? I know yeah. people talk yeah, about maybe his wedge game is not as good as it needs to be, but you know that's been fairly consistent across his career, and he's still won a ridiculous amount of time. So, do you think it's just he needs something new to instill the new person to kind of instill that belief and confidence back in him? And he's also spoken of the lack of crowds before, and that having crowds at a major championship is the kind of thing that we would really latch onto as well. Yeah, I don't know about the crowds, you know, but but you know, you just going out and playing golf. The golf ball can't hear crowds. It, it, it's it's a, it's a situation that, um, I, as I said, I think how long is it going to be until these guys in uh, bring confidence to Rory McIlroy and we see him doing thing great things, and it can't happen in two weeks. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think. And if it does, look, as I said, I wouldn't be surprised, but. I'd be surprised if he, if, if he was to win it. I think he has to go out there and play his best golf to win this. And, and look, uh, I, I, just the, where he's coming from, you know, he, he's, he's, you know, it's like a boxer getting off, 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 the, off the deck after being knocked down and coming back and knocking Mike Tyson out. You know, it, it's just hard. And I think that too many guys are in form going into this, and Rory isn't going into this with form, and he's not go- well. That's golf wise, and he's not going into this with too much confidence about his form. So, how have we ended up in this position thing. where he's so low on confidence? Then, what do you think the factors have been? Do you think it's a case of the likes of Brooks and DJ, you know, coming along and playing better golf than him? You know, people who always said they were in a similar bracket, but Rory would always win if he if he was bringing his best stuff. Do you think it's a case of his own expectation and falling below that, or do you think it's just a combination of factors? I think it's a combination of a lot of stuff, yes. I think you bang on there. But Rory's been there before. We've seen Rory there before, and then the same year uh, that when he's been there before, three months later, he, he's lifting the FedEx Cup. Hmm. You know? And, and we, we've, we've seen it before. You know, he's won the FedEx Cup twice. He's won four majors. But... Yeah, it's just a combination. He's just... Look, he's not playing awful. Yeah, people seem to think this guy's lost it. He's, it's not a speech loss. It's nowhere near a speech loss of form. But it's it's just not Rory McIlroy. And it's going to take time. And I think it's a, a very, very good that he's got Pete Cowan working alongside Michael Banner in getting this thing fixed. Absolutely. So let's finally talk about the home hope then. 
Um, a lot of Englishmen going well. You mentioned Lee Westwood there before. The likes of Matt Fitzpatrick, Tyrrell Hatton's established himself on the world scene over the last couple of years. Do you think we will see an English challenge and possibly even an English challenge from at least one player? Yeah, I do. And the rule was the one I would have spoken about a couple of months ago, quietened off a little. Uh, the, the, the guy that I'm looking at right now, watching how he was playing at the match play in Austin, is Tommy Fleetwood. Tommy Fleetwood looks really, he looks as though he's swinging it exceptionally well. And, and that match play would have done his confidence so much good. I think Tommy Fleetwood is my number one pick from um, from over there. From, from a European Ryder Cup squad, I'm going to pick uh, Tommy Fleetwood. I feel as though the way he was... I think at Austin was very close to the best I've ever seen Tommy Fleetwood swing it. I, I think he's a, he's a wonderful chance of winning the Masters this time around. Well, great. Well, thanks for that, Radar. Thanks for your time. And we shall see how this all plays out. And you can hear Radar commentating for Sky throughout the course of the week. So thanks for joining us, Radar. Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. So there's Wayne Radar Riley with his thoughts on it. And he he went for Tommy Fleetwood there. So um, let's talk about the Englishman really quickly. Lee Westwood, Paul Casey, Matt Fitzpatrick as well. Have these guys got a chance, Elliot, do you think? Yeah, Tyrrell Hatton as well. Yeah, there haven't been many English winners at August have there, but I guess England's a much smaller country than the US. But I would love to see Westwood win. He's got the experience. He's got the form. Has he got the the bottle, I guess, when it comes down to it on Sunday? Uh, I would love to find out and, and see him on that back nine in, in contention again. But um, yeah, Hatton is, is, is proved to be one of the world's very best players. Fitzpatrick's in good form. Fleetwood, like Radar said, is... Um, Another very capable major champion, so who knows? Um, Matt Wallace was was really impressive last week, actually. I think he said it was the best he's ever struck at Tita Green, which really does put him in good stead this week. So, yeah, hopefully we'll get an Englishman in the top five or, or maybe even winning. Nick, any of those Englishmen got a chance, you reckon, this year? I really like the look of Fitzpatrick. It's just something about him. It's just I always fancy someone who can putt as well as he does, and hits the ball as well as he does. Uh, you also haven't mentioned Justin Rose there, and obviously it would be remiss of me to, to come on and not discuss Justin Rose. I think he's very well-priced. I know he's coming off back injury, and had to, which caused him to withdraw at the Arnold Palmer, but he was in the top 10 after two rounds. They finished second in Saudi, and his record at Augusta is as good as anyone's who hasn't won. I always just like Rose at Augusta. I mean, again, he was he was one of those people. He wasn't too far off the lead after two rounds last year as well. And you can never count him out at Augusta. And at 70 to 1, I think I even saw him at 80 to 1 somewhere. I think that's excellent value. <laughs> Nigel, do you remember in 2019 when you put an awful lot of money on world number one Justin Rose and he missed the cut of the Masters for the first ever time? Yeah, I think I'd written a piece in the magazine about why he was destined to win as well. And he just missed the cut convincingly for the first time in about a decade. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're financially recovering from that moment. Uh, of course. I think I'd won a lot of money on Kevin Kisner at the match play, if memory serves me correct. And then I put a lot of that on Justin Rose. And yeah, he <laughs> let me down in a big spot. It happens. I think, I think the thing with Rose is we know he's got the game. If he's fit, he's got the game to do well at Augusta. He obviously was very close to winning on a couple of occasions, but no, no closer than when Sergio won when he obviously got beaten in a playoff. So um, it's... You know, it, it's, it'll be interesting to see. Let's hope he's playing well. Because when you start talking about that group of English 
golfers. You know, they're a very, very strong bunch. It shows how strong the Ryder Cup team's going to be. Um, some of those guys might not even make it. So they could have a very good um, week indeed. Um, so come on then, who do we think was going to win? Elliot, who's who's your money on? One 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 favourite, one uh, outsider-ish. Uh, favourite would be Bryson, as I said before, for all the reasons that I said before. Uh, and my outsider is going to be Hideki Matsuyama. Maybe not an outsider, I don't know what his odds are, but uh, he was low amateur here, wasn't he, I think? He's a fantastic ball striker, and he basically always is a fantastic ball striker. It's just the greens where he lacks. But, um, yeah, there was a Japanese winner at the weekend, little Augusta wasn't there, so maybe there'll be another Japanese winner this weekend. Like that, like that thinking, absolutely. Yeah, you can get him about 45 to 1, um, having looks at it. So uh, definitely not a favourite uh, price at all there. And he has done well there in the past as well um, and played there a lot as a because um, he, he qualified uh, on a couple of occasions as an amateur. So, um, uh, yeah, I think that's some good prices. Nick, what about yourself? I will say for my favourite, Patrick Cantley. I think he's just a very impressive all-round player. Got a really good demeanor for major championship golf. Got a decent record at Augusta. He came came close to winning in, in 2019, where he put a really good run together on the Sunday. So I'm going to say Cantley. Also, his ball flight is perfect for Augusta, too. Uh, in terms of outsider, another player I think is very impressive but hasn't quite managed to, to notch up multiple victories is Corey Connors. Uh, I think he's arguably the best driver of the golf ball. Well, one of the certainly one of the best drivers of the golf ball in the game today. Really, really good ball striker. He sometimes is lacking on the greens, but he hits so many greens, and that's obviously what you need to do at Augusta National. You, you hit your greens. You, you need good distance control with the irons, and preferably you're coming in from the right spots on the fairways, and he does all that stuff really well, and he's played some good golf this year too. <laughs> on that, with the Canadian theme, I've actually put real-life money on uh, Mackenzie Hughes this week just because I was going down the odds, and he was the highest-odds player that I thought actually had a chance to win so it wasn't like one of the past champions i think he was like 250 to one fair fair play i don't know loads about Mackenzie hughes <laughs> I, I think i remember him chipping in once to win and you absolutely loved him didn't you yeah <laughs> i think that shows the level of the, the picking that's going on here and it's looked at who's the longest odds and gone for it not, it's not, i know it's not quite the longest odds i think ian bruce probably a little bit longer um but corey connors i was going to say was was 10th last year as well so actually, he has played well around Augusta. So I don't think that's an, an awful um, uh, tip at all. And he has been playing very well. And I'm looking at his price and get him at 80 to 1 as well, which is a nice price. Um, so quickly, that leaves with me. Who am I going for? So there's one person we haven't mentioned who we need to mention. That's Colin Morikawa, fourth in the world, won a major last year at the PGA Championship, won the w wgc just a few weeks ago i think he's one of the best players in the world and his odds are ridiculous at 30 to 1 which i think is far too long for someone of his skill um i think he should be half the price there so colin marikawa is definitely one of my picks and then the other one that i've gone for is victor perez france played very well at the wgc match play made his debut augusta last year you can get him at a bumper 125 to 1. Um, and for someone who's got as good an all-round game as he has, I think he's definitely worth looking at. For the rest of the betting tips, um, do Google Golf Betting Tips and click on the Golf Monthly post or go to golfmonthly.com. Um, and to keep up to date with everything at the Masters, 
this week do follow us on social media at golf monthly on twitter and instagram and golf monthly magazine on facebook um it's going to be a very busy very long week but um it should be really good fun so elliot any other business uh i will mention another outsider actually with the firm and fast conditions i think it just favors bernard langer to go and pick up another green jacket so uh yeah, hopefully you can get the job done. Absolute legend. Made the cut, uh, what was he, like 63 last year. Um, so I, I just can't wait to see the German make another run this year. Well, that's, are you just going to keep keep picking people? Because you're just trying to say, oh, I mentioned them last week. Well, you mentioned every single player. Um, Nick, one last thing for you is that the new issue of Golf Monthly was on sale last week. And it included a supplement with our latest top 100 courses of uk and ireland rankings something that obviously you had a lot of a lot of dealing with a well worth people buying and taking a look isn't it without question we have some movers and shakers we have a new number one so pick the magazine up to get your supplement to find out what that is loads of brilliant photography from kevin murray and others and some of the best golf course writing out there and then in the main issue we've got john Rahm exclusive we have tea to green tips for mark leishman and a whole host of other great content so absolutely worth your while picking that one up in the shops brilliant stuff um guys thanks ever so much for your time everybody else listening enjoy your masters week enjoy your weekend don't drink too much enjoy the golf and hopefully you can pick a winner so hopefully so we have as well <laughs> uh, and we'll be back next week to cover all the fallout from Augusta and dealing with who's won, who had shocker, who was great and, uh, and all that jazz. So until next week, thanks for listening and we'll speak to you then. <laughs>